Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So I got half the conference finals, right? But the problem is the two uh, conference finalists that didn't make it that were on my bracket were also my cup finalists, which typically bodes what poorly, poorly for uh, predictions. One of my cup finalists is alive, so I've got that going for me. Your Tampa dream? My, I wouldn't call it a dream, but picking them every year to go to the finals until they actually friggin' do something. I mean, I've, I've had Tampa to win the cup all year. And then right at the playoffs, I waffled, and I think I picked Colorado. Did I pick Colorado? I know I had Tampa, Colorado in the final, but either way, I doomed Colorado, and I don't feel bad about it. I had Vegas, so Vegas, Philly, so I'm fifty percent still. Still better than our um, our uh, qualifying round predictions. Those were rough. Oh yeah, those bit. were bad. I when the uh, the Islanders first won something after Tavares went to Toronto. And it had nothing to do with Toronto when they won, but they still, like, you know, threw a big thing. They're like, suck at Toronto, suck at Tavares, we don't need you. I was like, yeah, I get it. I mean, I think it's a little stupid, but I get it. And then they kept doing it, and I was like, all right, guys, very clearly you're not over this, so just let it go. You're making it, you're actually embarrassing yourself. And then with this last series win, I was like, you know what, good for them. Gloat all you want. Like, absolutely gloat all you want. None of this is a fluke. You've earned every step of this. Good for you. They have won more series in Toronto than Toronto has. It's amazing. How happy do you think the Leafs are that the uh, finals are taking place in Edmonton? So there's not going to be a cup lifted in Toronto. Yeah, the the jokes for the most part die here. And hey, at least uh, they can say that playoff hockey lasted longer in Toronto this year than normal. Got a second round out of it. Yeah, they they got that much. What did... uh, Was it... Washington that Toronto lost to when they made it to the second round last? Or was that also Boston? No, that was Philly, man. That was like 2004. I think JR was, scored the game winner. Yeah, it was JR in overtime. That was, was the last time the Leafs were in the second round was 2004. Oh my god. <laughs> I was just starting high school. I was in were high you? school. Yeah, I am a few years behind 14. Yeah, it's wild. Do you think tinfoil hat here do you think toronto and part of like negotiating their bubble said yeah we'll do all this we do all like we'll do all that we'll you know set this up the hotel the catering everything you just can't lift the cup here please for the love (laughs) of god do not lift the cup here and the nhl is like oh all right (laughs) fine i I don't know if they would have went that far you've got to you got to think at that point when everything was being negotiated they fancied themselves contenders and would have liked That's to have true. done it on their own ice if all things had went well for them, which, I mean, everybody else knew wouldn't have, but they had yeah. to have thought it might have. Yeah. Well, anyways, it's fun for the rest of us. Um, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. I am Ryan Hanna. I am anti-Novak Djokovic. And I'm Evan. Oh. Ball boy, ball boy, Evan. <laughs> I, I'm a big Raphael Nadal fan. Like, Huge. Oh, really? Uh, he is the worst. What do you like about Rafa? He his grunting. <laughs> yeah, man, it's power. It's pure power. The dude's a freak. Everybody else does that too, but doesn't grunt because they're men. He doesn't grunt. Are you kidding me? The men- 
the men are the men's grunts are awful. Who else grunts? Djokovic grunts, but no one likes him either. No, no one likes Djokovic because he's a douche. That's why. Is there anybody left that likes Djokovic? He is has he the one in a span of like four months just alienated everybody. Is he the one that eats the grass at Wimbledon? Probably. And then probably that would spits be it on his... a small child in the front row. Yeah, that'd be one of his most redeeming qualities in my mind. Oh, okay. man. The, uh, the grunting in tennis is... It's incredibly sexual and it's not gender specific. All both like all sides do it. <laughs> Sharapova was easily the number one offender of that. It was so bad. I can't I haven't watched um I haven't watched tennis in a like a while. The past couple of seasons I haven't watched too much. Ever since Nadal got like tendinitis and then he dropped off from being the best, and I maintain that a healthy career would have put him as the undisputed goat still. Uh, but yeah, there was there was some where you were just like, that sounds contrived. But hey, if it wins you Grand Slams, go, by all means, go for it. Like It, it, it didn't always... win me Grand Slams. It just got me weird looks from the kids at the court beside me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I get it because in boxing or fighting anything, you're taught throw punch and breathe out. <sighs> it, breathing out isn't grunting. I don't know where the difference comes in here. <laughs> There's tennis players listening to this going, please just move on. You very clearly don't know what you're talking about. No, we absolutely oh, uh, don't. No. But that doesn't we don't know what we're talking about with hockey, but that doesn't stop us from making fun of everything involved with it. And on that note, uh, on this episode of the podcast, we are going to be uh, talking about an extremely eventful few days of uh, game sevens and playoff series wrapping up. Uh, a little bit of the fallout from that in terms of possible trades or trades that are no longer happening for Detroit. And some other goings on around the league. Um, not too much Red Wings news this week, honestly. Uh, no, nothing on the Mantha front. Stuff like Lindstrom got loaned out to Sweden, but we already knew that. And then this week's or this episode's um, prospect deep dive. So again, we are in our uh, final month before the NHL draft. So every single prospect profile we are doing now is a potential Red Wings fourth overall pick, whether it's extremely likely or the least likely of all the ones that could possibly happen. That's who we're looking at here. And today's is none other than somehow more contentious than Jake Sanderson, Yaroslav Askarov. So that'll be uh, a good conversation, I'm sure. Some hold, of you are already going to be Hold on, did you hear us. that? Do you hear that? I just heard Prashant turn off his laptop. <laughs> really? Because I hear Lars celebrating all the way from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that one's going to be d- divided. It was funny. I was telling Brad um, before we started recording that our uh, previous one was Jake Sanderson. And what we've been doing as well is like, obviously, these have happened during the episode and we want everyone to listen to the episode. But for anyone who wants to go back and listen to just the prospect profiles, we're starting to uh, put them up on YouTube. And I put up the Sanderson one and <laughs> I saw a comment go up like, absolutely not Sanderson. Are you guys high? And then 10 minutes later, like I saw him edit and go, oh, I see your point now. And then 10 minutes later, they just deleted the comment. I was like, yeah, man, just... <laughs> Well, we're not talking about these like advocating for each pick. We're giving you an objective view and saying, here's the likelihood. Here's how it would fit into Detroit's system. Here's whether we think it should happen. Here's how mad or happy we'd be. And, you know, here's why it would be not so terrible or even better than you think. Here's what the world would look like if it happened. Yeah. That's like beyond all the flames and fighting outside of the sport of hockey, but, you know, in the world of hockey. Yeah. 
Oh, that actually reminds me. Um, after Askarov, remind or let's talk about Drysdale and the recent rumors with that. Uh, I must have missed those rumors. I haven't seen anything new with him. Amazing. That's even better news. Okay, Perfect. so the playoffs. Let's talk about um, the three series that wrapped up since our last episode. Because one one was already – yeah, Tampa had already beat Boston by that. Yeah, Tampa has been – Boston was the only team to get knocked before seven games. And I just want to say that out loud because it makes me feel good. Um, uh, so I just yeah. want to know uh, – Quick show of hands. Uh, between the three of us, whose y'all Kevin Ranta jerseys are coming in first? I ordered mine after the triangle. When did you guys put the order in for your Kevin Ranta jerseys? You know I didn't order any jerseys. That's <laughs> not my not what I do unless it's one of those Jurassic Park Griffins jerseys. <laughs> are you kidding? I had a Yol Kevin Ranta jersey ever since he played for your uh, Yokerit. Yeah. Uh, Which was and- like two last last year, maybe literally uh, last yeah. year yeah and then sport is this team's name is literally just sport <laughs> finland can you do that it's all the best athletes in the entire world they just <laughs> doesn't matter what sport you started in you you amalgamate the top players into sport yeah i have a sport jersey which is a derpy looking eagle no i don't have his jersey but oh man does that guy have a story that has got to be one of the top 10 if not top 5 games of the 2000s it was chaos. It had one of the craziest hockey stories, an undrafted free agent rookie who was healthy scratched for basically, I think, the entire series up until game seven gets in due to injury, scores a hat trick, including the tying goal late in the third period and the overtime winner. We will never see that again. That no. will not ever happen again in the game of hockey. It's insane. And it happened in the middle of a pandemic and the weird bubble with no fans. Like everything about that game will be remembered forever. That's people talk about. And I know it's extremely different circumstances, but like people talk about the Bob Bongle way back when, when he broke his leg in the sixties and scored the winner, because that doesn't happen. This is going to be one of those stories that we tell our grandkids about this guy played like six games in the NHL, but like it's it's gonna be one of those stories. My thing with um with that game is how fantastic was it? Like look what you just described. There was no part of that game that failed to deliver. Both teams had leads. It went back and forth. There was amazing like pace. There was amazing drama. Like it was worthy of a game seven overtime. It felt like a conference finals game. Like that's how intense it was. You had an all like a relatively underdog team, but not one that was a fluke to get there. Like Dallas played fantastic hockey up to that point. The outcome was it went to overtime. Dallas ended up scoring the goal and they moved on and beat the potentially cup favorite or cup contender Colorado Avalanche. And I saw this big narrative of bringing up the fact that hockey is an altogether random sport compared to the other major sports leagues. And it was brought up in a negative connotation. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Look, all of us on this podcast attribute a lot of uh, merit and weight to uh, analytics. And we attribute a lot of merit and weight to the fact that hockey can produce a lot of random outcomes, but it's not random. Like someone rolled a dice. Like, yeah, there's, there's puck luck and there's bounces and things like that. But I think a lot of that randomness is derived from the fact that, yeah, one guy who mathematically wasn't doing this at all this series just worked his absolute ass off, put himself in the right place at the right time and delivered. 
it sounds so cliche, but wanting it more and having the drive and digging in and finding another gear that you didn't have up until that point is a difference maker in the playoffs. And that's what I love about the NHL playoffs. There isn't, you can't quantify that. It's hard to put that on paper and I don't blame anyone for that, but that makes a huge difference. That's what what the playoffs are about. All bets are off. Once you're in, it doesn't matter if you're the 16th seed or the first seed. You dig in like it's 0-0 at the start of every period and you have just a right to win that game as the other team. Sound like Ken Holland. Yeah, I'm just Just, looking for the pay cut. Just get there. But it's funny too because it wasn't a fluky game for Kivaranta either. You look at you referenced analytics. You look at his underlying numbers for that game. He was a force. He was one of the best players on the ice. So it wasn't just like he tipped in three shots or one bounced off his ass in front of the net. No, he had three very nice goals, had a very positive impact on the overall game, not just those three moments and came out of nowhere to do it. Like it was, I mean, there was what uh, Colorado took the lead with like four minutes left. Dallas tied it 10 seconds later. Crazy. The game's yeah. bonkers. Backup goalie against a third string goalie. Gotta love it. Like, yeah, sure. People who wanted Colorado to win are going to be disappointed. But for the most part, fans of hockey should be looking at this and saying, wow, if a top team is going to go out, this is the way to do it. Like, they just got beat by a team that worked their asses off and played better hockey. That's it. One of the hottest teams right now. Yeah, 100%. It's And like... Brad, you brought this up previous episode. Dallas is one of the lowest scoring teams in the league before the the return to play. It's because they weren't playing Kivaranta. <laughs> yeah, but it and it, imagine being Dallas though, a Dallas fan in that overtime, remembering that they got knocked out in the second round in a game seven overtime last season to the team that won the Stanley Cup. So again. They're in the same situation this year with a team that's maybe the favorite for the Stanley Cup going, no, it can't no. happen again. They Oh, they were probably expecting to lose just because of that alone. Oh, I know. I would have been. I I know I watched the 2013 playoffs, but like I have no idea how I survived. I've got none. Uh, Landis Cog being out was a, a big blow to Colorado, but altogether a, a well-deserved series win for um, Colorado or sorry, <laughs> Dallas. Um, the thing with the other two series is that the series winners deserve to win in my mind pretty decisively, but there was also some pretty poor game seven showings from those teams. Um, we'll start, we'll stay in the West. We'll start with Vegas, Vancouver for all Vancouver was hyped to be, you know, the critics of the team didn't end up being too incorrect here. Like, yeah, the stars are going to be stars and they're going to be flashy, but at some point you need people other than them to contribute and to play meaningful hockey. You need to roll four lines and, and, you know, three D pairings at some point in the playoffs to win 16 games. And Vancouver was just completely outplayed in my mind. They had one goal outside of their top six, the whole series. Yeah. You're not, you're not winning with that. No matter how out of his mind the goalie is playing, um, which by the way, RIP to the Demco to Detroit chances. <laughs> um, that he he went on the one of the craziest stretches in playoff hockey history. What he went ninety eight shots without a goal for a, uh-huh. a stretch there, and went one in one in th- in that time. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sorry I, if your goalie's saving that many shots and you're not winning both those games, you don't deserve to win the series. No, Demko put on an all time performance, like a literal all time performance. Robin Leonard 
was also at the top of his game. He had the save of the playoffs in game seven when it was tied late in the second. Um, didn't face many shots. I think Vancouver mustered what 16, 17 shots in game seven, but Leonard got them all. So you can't fault him for that at all, which makes it all the more confusing why Mark Andre Fleury is starting tonight. But I don't get that. Who knows? Maybe Leonard tweaked something in warm up that we don't know about. I don't know. It's stupid. Alan Walsh must be doing backflips or trying to figure out how to delete tweets. I, I don't know. <sighs> if if Vegas loses tonight, that's an all-time dumb decision. But either way, Vegas was absolutely dominant. Demko has the most goals saved above expectation in these playoffs now, and he played three games. Mm-hmm. So let that one sink in. That's uh, a cumulative stat. That's it's a, not an yeah, average. That's not a per-game stat. That is total. Like. Vegas was that dominant and Demko was that lights out. So that series probably should have ended in five or six games. They made it to seven. Ultimately, the better team went on. And now I'm fully on the Vegas bandwagon for uh, the cup. So I apologize to them losing out in the conference finals because I can't have happiness or nice things. Yeah, there were some really uh, good clips when they panned to Thatcher Demko and he looked exhausted he looked like a guy who's played five years straight without a break he looks so tired but yeah he was unreal and pretty much the only reason why vancouver really hung around in that series because by all rights las vegas was the or the vegas was the better team almost every single game speaking of vegas remember when anaheim had to protect kevin bieksa because he had a no-move clause in the Vegas expansion draft, and they wanted to keep Sammy Votnin and Josh Manson. So they gave, literally gave Vegas Shea Theodore so they would Whoops. take Clayton Stoner. Oopsie. This is why I don't think I, a tangent here, because I've seen a lot of people angry again because Vegas is good and was given an, an unfair advantage, in their opinion, in this expansion draft, which is garbage. If everybody just did the expansion draft straight up, you're taking the 11th best player off each team. So I don't think they have an unfair advantage. They were built to suck. But stupid GMs panicked and did stupid things. They literally have Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcia, so Shea Theodore, and Alex Tuck because other teams wanted to protect players that weren't really worth it. They tried to so, do like big brain moves yeah. and like try to you know outsmart everyone else, but they're just like, all right, well... It, it didn't work out like it, it was a lot of the decisions that uh, Florida made <laughs> where you just gift they, they think in the moment that that's their future where they and they just don't see it uh, not that you know really any of us well there were some obvious mistakes but um yeah whoopsies on the Shea Theodore one this is why Seattle won't be as good as Vegas because teams won't be this dumb the second time they're just around. gonna be like here you go. Take your pick and let's your, move on. Wait, what do you mean you're giving up your like uh, a, a top six forward? You can't. Yeah, just take them. Just, just take them. It makes too or, much money anyways. We can't afford it. Or if the teams want to do this, uh, the cost to do it will probably be lower because teams will be like, listen, we'd like to protect this guy. If you want to take a second round pick, we're happy with that. But if you don't, just you're taking whoever you want to take. So, because again, teams probably learned their lesson. The flat cap made it a little more interesting 
So Seattle has that advantage going for them. But again, I can't see the teams being that stupid again. Two things. Um, one, Vegas has victory flamingos, which should be fun, but pisses me off because they should have just <laughs> been the Las Vegas flamingos. Uh, anyhow, um, visiting the, the Thatcher Demko conversation. So for those of you who haven't, uh, have, been preserving your mental health and not braiding your ears with our voices for the last while. Thatcher Demko has been a popular target for um, <clears throat> those hypothesizing uh, potential assets that Detroit could win back by taking on bad contracts. So a pretty big one has been some combination of uh, Louis Erickson's contract or Sutter's contract from Vancouver. Both of them are pretty terrible in holding that team down. In exchange, Detroit somehow man- manages to weasel out Thatcher Demko. Um, so for those of you who are like, that wouldn't be worth it. We don't even know that he's good. Well, there you go. Um, and we've been saying recently, like, eh, Vancouver might, might not be want to let go of him. Like they might not be too easy to, to let him loose because the price might be too high. And I don't know. Jim Benning's weird, man. Like, I, I don't know how he would value those contracts against Demko. And then you, I've never seen a goalie's already high stock. Like, I, I think he already had a high price. I've never seen a goalie's price skyrocket so quickly in the span of like four games. <laughs> oh, it is. It's now Detroit to get Demko would likely have to give up a good asset on top of taking one of Vancouver's awful contracts, which I don't think is something Steve Eisman wants to do. That being said, depending what that asset is, I mean, you still got to consider it because holy crap, there's no arguing this guy's talent anymore. He's He's got f- franchise goalie potential. Whether or not he puts that together for 50 to 60 games a year is still a question mark. He's by no means a guarantee, but it's there. The talent is there. The potential is there, and there's no debate on that. It's just a consistency question with him, and Detroit doesn't have a long-term answer in net. So I'm not going to say the Demko to Detroit rumors are dead or should be dead, but in terms of how that trade is structured has now vastly changed. Yeah, and again, the same point I just made. Jim Benning's weird. You don't know how you don't know how he's going to value Demko. He might still want to let go of him. Like Vancouver lost the series, and they would have probably advanced way further. Like they advanced on the backs of their stars. And yeah, that's how you want your team to generally be built. But you need the foundation beneath them and the depth beneath them to not completely suck. And when you're spending twenty five, thirty million dollars on like four or five pretty meaningless players all things considered that's where you're holding your team back and and you run the risk of wasting prime years of quinn hughes and uh, uh elias Pettersson, and you if thatcher demko comes to form and you already have a star in jacob markstrom like you need to figure that out now and their contracts are coming up you build a winning team a winning culture and you can point to those guys and say like hey i know you guys want a lot of money but you're young you're playing well you have you'll have your whole whole career to cash out Take a little less now, buy into the the team and the system, come home with a couple cups. But they look at, you know, Sutter and uh, uh, Erickson and freaking those four, three or four guys, that they, like Beagle, the guys they signed for like three, four million each. Like they're going to look at those guys and be like, nope, I won't be making anything close to what they make. I want my money. Um, and you won't have room to pay them what they want because you're stacked up on replacement level players. And let's not forget. Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are still on ELCs. Yeah, it's about to be pricey in Vancouver. 
Hey, but living there isn't cheap. It's very expensive (laughs) to live in Vancouver. Also, imagine, but on the plus side, on the bright side, imagine being in a situation where, if not for injury, you had a goalie this year who should have probably been arguably the front runner for the Vesna, maybe in heart consideration. And right now you're in a position to go, you know what? We don't even need to offer him a contract. Just imagine how nice that would feel. Be like, oh, if Markstrom comes back, great. If we need the cap space, we could just not sign him. And that's also fine. Is Toronto going to trade for Thatcher Demko? No, I think Toronto's going to probably angle the more established option my my, without going too far off the side my gut feeling is toronto's going to see what the market goalie market looks like and try to get a guy like brayden holpe on a two or a three year or they can get former toronto maple leaf uh, robin laner back <laughs> toronto legend <laughs> yeah um and then finally out east the islanders uh finished there can't even call it unlikely anymore trounce of uh philly in game seven philly wasn't there that game and the islanders showed up like a team that was trying to win game seven to go to the conference finals oh we were all so wrong about this team i was so wrong about this team they're they're not boring they make the other team boring this is what they do they just like they're the highest scoring team in the east yeah they score a ton of goals and then the other team gets the puck and they just stand there like the biggest bouncer at the nightclub and say, no, you cannot pass. It's, I, I love it. I respect it. I mean, they're playing Tampa now. So even if they were the most boring team on the planet, I'd still be cheering for them because we, someone's got to take down the empire. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have one superstar on that team. I don't know if there's anybody else on that team. You could even classify as a star and they're four wins away from the cup finals. It's well, like- crazy. In pretty decisive fashion. Yeah, it went to seven games with Philly, but Philly had to bust their balls to even get there. They had to have an overtime winner. Well, for perspective, if those were considered regular season games in the seven-game series against Philly, the Islanders would have been on a seven-game point streak because every Philly win was in overtime. Yeah. Every one. The Islanders did not lose in regulation in seven straight games to the Flyers. That is dominance in a seven-game series. The 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 one interesting thing I, I saw between this series and the one against the Capitals were just how non-interested the Islanders make teams look. But that's just how good they are playing a team game. Like the last game against Washington, you know, there was a little bit of lack of effort from Washington, but it looked like one team was playing in the playoffs and one was still, you know, gearing up for the playoffs. And the last night, once again, Philly, you know, they tried, but it honestly looked like they couldn't generate anything. It's yeah. what happens when you have no room to skate. Imagine you're a player like Travis Konechny, excellent skater, plays very fast, can't take three steps without running into an Islander. It's It happens. It's it's remarkable how good of a coach Barry Trotz is. It's he just has this team fully bought in to the perfect system and they're doing everything right at the right time. Uh, again, I'm I still not not betting against Tampa because I mean, we've seen their roster, Jesus Christ, but if there's any team that can stop them, it's the Islanders. And the Islanders are actually the third highest scoring team in the playoffs and they're yeah. the highest remaining. I think they're the highest in the East. Like it's Yeah, they got crazy. over 3 goals a game right now 
crazy. It's all, it's unreal what what the Islanders are doing. The um the Islanders have Matt Barzell on an entry level contract and their most valuable best value contract is still Barry Trotz. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Aside, just a quick tangent, because I've seen this in my mentions a hundred times over the last six months. The Red Wings are not offershading Matt Barzell. Stop it. He'll he'll sign for like six and a half with on that offer sheet, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And well, the Islanders won't match, and all we'll have to give up is like a couple second round picks. It'll be fine. Uh, people people are going through phases with those. I, I don't I don't mind those questions honestly. Like it, it's fun to hypothesize, and it's never truly impossible. Um, and Steve Eisenman is a little bit of an unknown. He's not afraid to get a little bit um, off the board to do what he wants. But still, the the, the progression with those ideas that come up has been really funny. There was a long time where people were not letting go of the fact or not coming to terms with the fact that the Red Wings were no longer a desirable location to play hockey because the team was bad, like really, really bad for some time now. And so they're like, yeah, if, you know, Tory hypothetically, Tory Krug takes a discount. You're like, why would Tory Krug take a discount to play here? He's not. He's not going to the Sun Belt and he's not going to a good team. Literally no player, Red Wings included, have any reason to take a discount in Detroit right now. And then now they're getting to the point of like they're they're proposing these deals, but then they propose fair market for them. And I'm like, that's better, but you're still not getting it. Detroit will have to pay extra. <laughs> Detroit is paying a premium on top of the UFA premium. It's going to cost too much money to bring them here. If you're Matt Barzell and the Islanders are offering you nine and the Red Wings are offering you ten and a half, what are you picking? That's a coin toss. Think about that. I'd go to the Islanders and be like, hey, Red Wings offered me ten and a half. If you come to ten, I'm saving you five hundred grand a year. I'll do it and we'll make some kind of concession later on. Fucking I'll give you the option in the last year if you want. Yeah. And take out the we'll take out the signing bonuses. It's fine. Yeah. Uh well, I mean. Players see how valuable those are now, so maybe they but, won't do that. But yeah, it's well, we we probably do have to have the long UFA talk on this episode soon because of all the the Tory Crew crowd, the Alex Petrangelo crowd. They're coming back in full force lately, and again, one of those things. I'm just tired of explaining exactly what you just said. A Tory Krug is not coming on a three year contract. He literally said so himself. And B, the Red Wings. It would be an awful awful just terrible hockey decision to give either of those guys premium money for anything north of five years which is what they're gonna want and hey like it's not to say like yeah we absolutely guarantee this will or won't happen it we're just explaining to you why the parameters and the circumstance makes it extremely unlikely like if it happens we'll be surprised yeah if if i get a notification on free agency day tory krug signs with the detroit red wings Seven years for $7 million per year. I will not be happy about it. Not that I would be entirely surprised, but I would look at that and go, that's a bad move. Yeah, there'll be a small, very small window in there, maybe in years three and four where I can't go, okay, those two years might make sense, but then you're eating five years on it of just first couple of years. Well, we're bad, so it doesn't matter. And the final few years on both of them are probably going to be a disaster. So... It is what it is, but just tangent over. All right. So we got the conference finals set up. Um, let's talk quickly, very quickly here. Con Smythe leaders. 
do we just pick one from each team? Because some are very obvious. Some are not so obvious. I say pick one from the West and one from the East. Okay. Uh, I, I think the one from the West is pretty obvious right now. I I don't see a world where all things being equal, it's not Mira Heiskanen right now in the West. Really? I, I'd say I, isn't he not, is he not leading the playoffs in scoring as a defenseman? He's definitely leading their team. I know that. Yeah, he's been... He, I, I would say if I had to pick one player out of every single player left in the playoffs right now, it's probably high school. Yeah, he, he's the highest remaining scorer in the postseason. That's a good point. I probably didn't give him enough credit against Shea Theodore, but I really think Shea Theodore overall. Oh, is whichever team phenomenal. comes out of the West, those are going to be the two favorites. I mean, <laughs> we might still want to give it to McKinnon, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, can we say no to Demko right now <laughs> right. <laughs> after just those games? Statistically, uh, I love me a good defenseman nor or a consmite oh. winner, though. Oh, the bingo cards, everyone. There it is. That's there we go. Out. Why is that, Ryan? Oh, uh, you know, I, I played defense. and I Oh, right. strike that one off, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your guy out of the West, Evan? Uh, you know, Miro Heiskanen's been unreal. Um, I would, you know, if it can't be him on Dallas for un- some ungodly reason, I would maybe think Anton Kudobin. Um, he he would be a natural pick if uh, if not number two. Um, I really like Mark Stone's game right now in the playoffs for Vegas. He'd be a good pick. Shea Theodore, obviously, as well. Um. Those would be my out of, mine out of the West, I think. So you guys on YouTube are going to notice that we switched order on the screen here, and that's because uh, Brad decided to just uh, pull his router out of his wall and disconnect his internet. So no, when you got to Ta- go, you got to go. Got to kind, <laughs> got to come up with whatever diversion you need. We taught him not to do that anymore. Uh, anyhow, Eastern Conference cons my favorites right now. Barry Trot. Shit. Uh, again, <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> possibly consensus but Braden points probably the leader here i don't even know if i'd pick him from tampa really yeah not to feed into your narrative but victor hedman's been real good like yeah, maybe i was real. just baiting you to say that it, it's it's hedman or point in the east for me because again it's not it's a compliment to the islanders but they don't have one guy standing out at all in any way Bar- barzell maybe Anders Lee's had a pretty good playoffs, but for the most part, even Josh Bailey's had a really good playoffs, but they've been doing it as a collective. Um, Tampa, not as much, but they're superstar driven, but a couple of their superstars have been there. I, I think right now I put Hedman at number one, but I could, if someone came over the top of me and said, nah, it's Braden Point, I wouldn't really argue. Yeah, it must be real tough having a guy, a Con Smythe level defenseman, a Con Smythe level forward, and a Con Smythe level goaltender. Tough times. What, what's that world like? Please, Stevie, let that be our reality soon. <laughs> oh, we um, have we, one of those positions at a Con Smythe level. Bernier, right? Just so we're clear. Yeah, but he'll probably leave for more money. Good chance. Honestly, yeah. good chance. Well, it depends how the domino, well, how the contract dominoes fall in the goaltending carousel this summer. If if we're lucky, there's a lot of long term deals signed. Not as lucky for Bernier because less openings next summer. But yeah, you never know. 
Okay, uh, some quick news around the league. Um, Arizona. News about them being late on contract bonuses uh, as small as like 50 grand. Yeah, bad news for that. Uh, Also, they're interviewing for their new GM and uh, Pierre Maguire has been interviewed twice. Let me be clear on two things here. One, I really, really, really want this to happen because one, just out of a sick, morbid sense of curiosity, I want to see how this would go. And two, it means I don't have to listen to him on my broadcasts anymore. So that's a win-win in my book. So he's my favorite for to land the Coyotes job. The slow cleansing of the NBC broadcast has been fantastic. Please keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> Through avenues where no one, well, no one was really surprised, but no one would have predicted. Uh, love the idea of Pierre going so we don't have to see him. I have absolutely no hope that he'd be good. He was a train wreck when he was a GM before. Akin only to one Mike Milbury. Um, I don't know. I get that people like him. Like I will not you know, pretend that he isn't a fantastic hockey mind in terms of just knowing like he's an encyclopedia for players and when they came from. And he has, he has that knowledge to a freakish level. Like he's a savant. Do I agree with what he thinks about the game and the way he would run a hockey team or how he chooses to use his voice on a broadcast? No, not at all. It's extremely grating. Um, So yeah, I hope he gets it and it would continue the circus that has been Arizona for the past while. Yeah. Just because, just because he can spew off a bunch of knowledge about, you know, the serial Jordan Tutu had when he was six years old <laughs> doesn't make you a good people manager. No. Um, yeah, that was his biggest knock back in his Pittsburgh and Hartford days was uh, apparently he was just a humongous asshole to everybody around him, which is why he had to leave the coaching slash management circle in the NHL. Uh, but maybe if uh, we get lucky or the league gets lucky that hiring mcguire will be the final nail that puts the coffin uh, final nail in the coffin of the arizona coyotes and they move to somewhere where it isn't just constant problems like i'm not usually pro move a hockey team because even the smallest market has a ton of fans but when was the last time there was peace in arizona like when can we accept it's just not working whether that's because of ownership or the arena location or the less than stellar attendance like i do not remember in my life a point where we could go at arizona and go oh yeah they're doing fine put them back in phoenix give them a chance there if they don't make it put them in quebec city and print some canadian dollars exactly. like it'll be printing money up there yeah 100 percent. rejuggle the conferences divisions however you have to to make it work send columbus to the central i don't care just uh, it's it's exhausting, and I don't even like the Coyotes. I'm not even attached to them in any way. It's just exhausting. I don't actually want them to move. I never want to see a team lose their or a fan base lose their team. They just need to make it work. I'm worried that COVID is going to make it worse for them because if if there's not a lot of money in in hockey in Arizona right now, and the economy's tanked and still recovering, and they're especially not going to have money in Arizona, the league might pull the plug. They might say like, look. We would have been able to keep this experiment alive because it was worthwhile to have hockey in the desert. But for right now, we literally cannot afford this. We cannot justify to the other 31 teams 
or like even look at uh, Vegas and Seattle saying you guys had to pay $500 million and $650 million respectively to enter this league just to keep this pre-existing team alive who realistically shouldn't be there anymore. Again, I don't want it to happen. I think hockey in Quebec City would be fantastic, but I do not want Arizona to go. Like we've said it before, hockey in the desert is what produced Austin Matthews for this league. Like it, Expanding the game is good for the game. But I, I see some circumstances shaking out here, unless a lot of things go right for them. And again, I think moving back to Phoenix is it would be proper. Um, I, I think there's a risk of them leaving. Anyhow, um, sorry for all of that, to say all of that, and, and there's a chance that they hire Pierre Maguire as GM. Hysterical. I just love it. NHL brass, NHL hire execs will literally never learn for better or for worse. No, never. Same storyline every time. Okay, Um, let's get into this episode's major prospect profile. Uh, Again, as I said before, we we uh, have begun our analysis of every realistically possible Red Wings fourth overall pick. So we've been doing prospect profiles for first, second, third round guys. Um, (laughs) I mean, all spring and summer. But now we are into the guys who you might see walk up or, I guess, zoom in <laughs> to the stage at fourth overall for Detroit in a month. Uh, we started last episode with Jake Sanderson, and this episode is none other than an even more divisive potential pick, goaltender Yaroslav Askarov. Brad, you take the first blow. So let's look at the optimistic upside here when was the last time a goalie got drafted in the top five of an nhl draft if you don't want to look it up it was 2005 and that goalie was carrie price yeah i don't think there's a single montreal canadians fan out there who would say that didn't work out very well so i am not before that was it brad before that would have been mark andre fleury exactly so a couple of good goalies do you want me to keep going rick dpn no Nope, stop. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so for the most part, it works out all right. So it's also the most important position in the game of hockey. But as Prashanth will beat to death, it's also the position you don't want to overpay because lots of guys can do it adequately. So if we're going to ignore the co- future contract circumstances aside, Certainty in net is always a good thing. You need it. You can't win without a good goaltender. Even teams that do apply by platoon in the playoffs, like right now the Islanders, you do it well and you can be successful. So Askarov could solve a lot of problems for the Wings. They don't have a great option in the system right now. Yeah, we still have hope for Philip Larson and Keith Petruzzelli and Jesper Eliasson. We're not giving up on these guys. But if you're at the casino throwing chips on the table, you're probably not throwing a lot of chips down in their favor right now. Askarov solves that. This is, he, No goalie's a sure bet, but he's as close as we've seen since we started this podcast. That's the reality of it. He is elite, elite, elite. Remember how last year going into the draft, we gushed about that US NTDB team that was just trucking everybody loaded with stars? Askarov's the one who stopped them from getting a gold medal at the U18s. He's the one who shut them down. He's the one who won Russia gold medal. He's already played in the KHL at 17. That's insane. And he didn't play all that poorly. 
The only reason people are kind of down on him right now is because he had a subpar World Juniors. I mean, he was a 17-year-old goalie at the World Juniors. I, I That's not something I am going to put too much credence into. The guy, plain and simply put, is a potential and almost likely franchise goalie. Askarov is so good as a goaltender. He made me sit and teach myself how to properly project goaltenders. I went back and watched junior footage for top-ranked goaltenders that have been drafted in the past. Admittedly hard to, harder to find because it doesn't happen a lot, but that should also lend credence to what Brad said. If it, it's not happening a lot and you look at the situations where it did happen, there's probably good reason for it. There's probably good reason for it now. Um, the guy is a phenomenal goalie. He is very fast. Like he's very quick across his crease. He's a little unconventional at times, but I like how aggressive he is. And I like the fact that his, you know, unconventional, you know, stance sometimes or how he challenges shooters sometimes, um, it works for him. He's incredibly smart. He reads the plays extremely well. He reads shooters very well. He's got good size. He's what, six, three, six, four. Like you need that size in a goalie. So you're not looking at some uh, undersized, uh, freakishly athletic goalie where you have to wonder whether that's going to translate into the NHL. Like he has every tool, a good rebound control. Like I don't blame him for having a bad um, world junior. I think goalies take a long time to develop, and that's a huge mental game, especially at that position. Um, I, I genuinely believe that if this guy doesn't turn into someone's franchise goalie, it would be a mild surprise at the very least. One thing we haven't even mentioned about him too is not that it really is anything that affects him game. He's goofy. Southpaw. Southpaw catches with his right hand. Don't see a lot of that in the NHL anymore. Um, I'm a good dork. But the question here is, all that said, can you truly select a position so... Uncon like unpredictable as goaltending or goaltender at fourth overall when you have holes at every point in your roster and when you come to a contract you are probably going to have to pay him a disproportionate amount based on what is available in terms of goaltending services on the market so coming at this from a red wing specific standpoint no absolutely not the he's got to be I'm not going to say I'd put him on my do not draft list at number four, like full stop. There, there's a reality where it makes sense. But if I go up to that stage to make the pick 99.9 out of 100 times, I'm not considering Askarov. The big reason for me isn't even the contract implications down the road, which are a very good reason to not do this. It's because goaltending is the most volatile position to predict. There have been surefire goalies drafted in the first round that absolutely flamed out the red wings where they are as a franchise the fact that they still have holes at every position and this is their highest pick of the rebuild so far they can't miss here that i don't care what anybody says and i don't care how much of a guessing game scouting is we had this conversation uh last episode of the episode before they can not miss here they cannot afford to screw this up it would be bad enough if at fourth overall they got the seventh best player out of this draft which all things considered wouldn't be a train wreck but i would consider that a pretty big failure um in this draft overall even if that player turns out to be good with a goalie there's a good potential 
they don't play in the NHL. Like, again, I'm not betting on Askarov to completely flame out, but with a goalie, that is always a possibility that is greater than, what, 20%? So who who out of the skaters that are realistically possible for the Red Wings to pick at four would we hate the most? Probably Sanderson. I'd sit here and bet money. I would put a good amount of money down that Sanderson's going to be a useful NHL. NHLer at least, even if that's as a number four shutdown defenseman who doesn't play any power play, he will play and he will contribute in some way. Okay, that's a miss, but at least they got something out of it. If Askarov doesn't live up to potential, like I said, he may never play a game for the Red Wings. I don't like. I said before, I'd be surprised if he wasn't someone's franchise goalie. And I stand by that based on his projections, but I think I should probably clarify. We're talking now about that position is unpredictable. And I, I, I think it is. I think we can say that Askarov is likely to be a good goalie, but you can't take that ultimate gamble when you're already too many years into a rebuild that's way too far behind. If we were talking about way less talent on the board and guys, the guy at fourth overall would be at best as good as like Anton Lundell or like uh Seth Jarvis or something I'd be way more open to taking Yaroslav Askarov picking Yaroslav Askarov right now would be in my mind akin to how I felt emotionally at the time as to when Detroit took Moritz Sider not exactly the same circumstance I think Sider would still have been a bigger reach in terms of like who the amount of talent you're selecting at your position, but still it it was a guy who is unlikely, but you were reaching because you know, you wanted him and you thought he was important for the future. And you really identified that position of need. Here's another thing. You can't win hockey games. You can't win, uh, make the playoffs and you can't win a Stanley cup. If your entire team is bad, except for your goalie, you can do those things. If you have a great team and an average goalie. Speaking of goalies, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury gave up the first shot of the game. Good man. Good man. Eat your heart out, Alan Walsh. But yeah, totally agree with bo- both of you guys. Like, I think the pulse of this draft is forwards heavy, light on defense, one potentially franchise goalie. So I, th- I think you need to read the room and, and make you know the smart, the most correct pick, and that would not be Askarov for us. If Askarov ends up being the best player out of this draft and say he goes to Minnesota or are they drafting like 11th or something? Um, and Detroit picks a guy who is really good first line winger or something, 80 point player. I'm, I'm realistically not upset because it would just be too much of a gamble. Think of how much opportunity cost would be lost if Detroit took Askarov and he just wasn't there for them. Another thing is, okay, let, let's say another part of this is we talk about how he would fit into the organization. Immediately, he'd be Detroit's top prospect in a very unique situation. If they select Askarov, they are pushing off his entry into the NHL as long as possible because they want to avoid paying him his first uh non-elc entry-level contract as long as possible not only that goalies take longer to develop not all of them but if this is a guy who isn't going to come to form until he's say 26 27 then they that would probably align way more with how far away they are from contending uh maybe 26 27 is too aggressive but let's say like 25 24 25 so 
if they draft Askarov, you're not going to see him anytime soon. And that would be by design. It would be the right choice and they would have no other choice contractually and with his development. So that's not any reason to not pick him, but it's also another consideration that would need to be made. But yeah, he would immediately become Detroit's top talent in their pipeline. Yep. You wouldn't really want to subject a young goaltender to this team. No. I don't want to subject any goaltender to this team. (laughs) Yeah, Bernier is our savior. He's our sacrifice. He's a martyr right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This this season would have been way harder without Bernier. For the people who want Askarov, I appreciate your bravado. I want to go with you to Atlantic City one day, and I don't want to have a dollar in my pocket because I think that is a massive, massive gamble. I understand what you're after, and I understand the appeal. I think the world of him as a prospect. I really do see a great goalie in the future. It's easy to say you can get a great goalie or a good enough goalie different places, and I can't give you specific names, but it's just the reality. It is much, much, much harder to find top six, top three forwards. It's much harder to find a number one or number two defenseman in terms of the cost of acquisition and, and when you can bring them into your organization. In terms of likelihood, rough percentage, how likely would you be? Would you think that it would? Uh, you, how likely do you think it is that Eisman walks up and takes Yaroslav Askarov? Three to five percent. Oh, I, I don't even know how you really can quantify it. It's less than ten percent for me, but I have no real reason why I would think that. I, I think there's so many better forwards then to take Askarov with uh, the fourth overall pick it's uh it's tough you're right it's tough to quantify i'd probably say same thing like five to ten percent but if there's a twist thrown in here and then the red wings are going off the board it's going to be Askarov. i'm convinced Askarov actually has three arms only steve eiserman knew that so that's why yeah him. the other one is uh it sticks straight out from his back so people don't see it because they only look at him head on from the camera if you turn True. a little bit you can see the fingers flapping around behind him kind of like a, a, a and that would make sense i would be perfectly okay with us uh, with the red wings taking him at fourth overall and that's the difference a good gm makes that's all scouting right there you know oh yeah <laughs> um yeah no I, I don't think it's likely but I have this feeling in, in my stomach where if the Detroit goes off the board, it's not going to be Sanderson. It's not going to be, uh, you know, Holtz. It's not going to be anything like that. It is going to be Askarov. It's going to be full balls to the wall. Yep. I thought we needed a franchise defenseman last year. We took one. I didn't give a shit what his draft ranking was. Uh, yep. We need a franchise goaltender this year. Yep. I took one. I don't give a shit what his, fra- uh, what his draft ranking is. I don't, I won't call it likely, but if there is a twist, I, I think it'd be Askarov. That's up. That would be a bold new world. Emotionally, angry, upset, happy, shocked, but you know, you'll go with it. Where would you land? Nervous. Yeah. Again, nervous because I again I'm a proponent usually of the boom or bust prospects, swing for the fences. I mean in the Sidney Crosby draft, the next best player to come out of that draft was Carey Price. So there is a reality here where Askarov is a top two player in this draft. Again, contract implications down the road be damned, but 
if you get a top two player out of this draft, you're happy no matter what the outcome is. But man, you could get this could be Carey Price or this could be Chet Pickard. Everyone knows goaltenders are voodoo, and that's for for good reasons and bad. I, you know, it just feels like the pick is way too valuable to spend on a a goaltender when you know you can take swings at later drafts or free agent free agency and potentially get your starter there like teams have shown recently i don't know i don't know i i i I completely like the the words came out of my mouth about how good askroff could be but i still i just can't get on board with it i won't be upset it's not my job to be doing this again we're talking heads but at the same time even worse than how I'm looking at like Trevor Zegras right now, as opposed to Mo Sider, I will be glaring at all of the forwards Detroit could have taken while Askarov is developing. And it will be painful. Anxious, uh, nervous is a good way to put it. That would put a huge, that, that would be sticking your neck out like nothing else a GM has done coming into an organization. That would be a big boy play. Yeah. That is balls to the wall. I don't care what you think. I'm going to be right, and you're going to like it in the end. <laughs> Steve Eisman. I don't think it's likely, but that's just where I'd land. Okay. That is a uh, prospect profile on Yaroslav Askarov. Again, we're going to be doing these every episode, so uh, stay tuned for more. Um, some other quick news. Uh, J.D. Burke on Vancouver Radio mentioned that he's heard rumblings of L.A. potentially taking Jamie Drysdale second overall. Yeah. Um, normally I don't take, I don't put too much credence in rumors like this, but JD is the guy who nailed Mo Sire to Detroit last year. Like, oh boy, that is best case scenario for me. We're Detroit literal best case scenario. I mean, Stutzla or Byfield falls. It pulls the temptation from Detroit from Detroit of taking Drysdale. Not that Drysdale is a bad player, but I've made my thoughts on that pretty clear over the course of this podcast at this point. Oh my God, please let it yeah. happen. Let it happen. That would be unreal. I, I hope JD's right, but here's the thing. We're still a month out from the draft. Even if they're leaning that way now, things can change, but I, oh, that's a wrinkle I didn't see coming. I think it's good for Detroit two different ways. First, if they take Drysdale, one of Byfield or Stutzla falls to Detroit. Huge win. Two, even if they don't take Drysdale, it's maybe getting Ottawa to look at taking Drysdale third. Because if Drysdale's getting second overall hype, he's not falling to fifth overall. And I know the very online Senators fan base is looking at a Stutzla slash Byfield and Lucas Raymond picks three and five Hall, which would be absolutely unreal and also what they should do also what they should do i think they they have to consider gms think much differently historically and they put a high high premium on the top defenseman available so ottawa's probably trying to come away with jamie drysdale in this especially after losing eric carlson they're trying to come away with jamie drysdale so i don't know i see it more and more likely that one of byfield or stutzel falls I would say at this point, I definitely think it's more likely than I thought it was five minutes ago. <laughs> um, I'm still not putting those odds crazy high. I still think it's more likely than not Byfield and Stutzler are both gone for the Red Wings mm-hmm. pick. But what did I give that? Like a 20% chance the last time we talked about this 
maybe that's a 30, 40% chance now. I don't know. Imagine, imagine Byfield falls and we still pick Perfetti. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 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 You think, yeah, well, yeah. You think uh, me turning off the draft last year and walking into the lake was bad? Ho oh, ho. That, this will be a Patreon exclusive. Dude. <laughs> I don't know if I could do the po- I I don't know if I could do the podcast. Like our our plan is to do podcast uh preview episode. We'll watch the draft, we'll watch the second round of the draft and then Sunday immediately we're probably going to record in the morning for you and have the podcast review episode out. I don't know if I'd be able to do that episode for a week after. Oh. If they if they pass on Byfield. I'm just I'm 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 letting myself imagine Byfield falling. And if that happens and Detroit walks away from Byfield, I think I, th- I think I would actually puke. It makes me want to puke <laughs> just thinking about it. I'd walk to your house, Evan, and puke. We can puke together. Just to puke together, yeah. It'd be like that scene from Family Guy where they all drink Ipecac. I don't oh. recall that, but I can imagine it'll be like you and I puking together. Yeah. Um, anyhow, I, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Again, this is all pure conjecture. And at this point, we know Byfield and Stutzler are very, very likely to go in the top three. But still, um, this is the kind of fun speculation I like to see as uh, a fan of a team that's picking fourth overall. And as um, we need more yeah. of it, we need more yeah. things to mud mud the water. Hey, I, I think people should be looking at Drysdale first overall. I'm just saying. Me too. Absolutely. No one skates like him, except for uh, Lafreniere. No. Uh, anyhow, we'll keep tabs on that, and of course, prospect profiles of both those guys are to come as well. So, uh, should we get into overtime? Sure. Overtime it is. Uh, this is a weekend episode of Overtime, so we are going to start with uh, Patreon, where their comments get read out on air as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. We are going to begin with Dylan Krill, who says, hey guys, who are your favorite goalie prospects in this draft, and when is the earliest you would think about taking them? Thanks. Um, obviously not counting Askarov. I would say... Blomkvist or Dawes and I would say with our third second round pick yeah I really like Nico Dawes there's a lot of Canadian bias in there of course and Brad has since convinced me that using the third second round pick might not be a bad idea on him um (laughs) this next comment is from Formula One driver Alexander Albon who races for Red Bull he says hello ryan it is i alexander albon i see that you're not a fan of me being in the red bull seat and i'm here to tell you to shut up sure i haven't won any podiums in f1 but that's not my fault lewis personally bitch slapped me out of uh two potential third place finishes i don't care if you think that ghastly should have my seat he tried it last year and that didn't go well it's not easy always being compared to max dude is a crazy dutchman helmet just plays favorites because he's much more successful in the same car but i think that's unfair to conclude i'm working hard to win but it's really hard and unlike my mom i'm not good at lying to people who <laughs> she went to jail for fraud by the way um hopefully i'll be able to figure it out soon and convince people that i'm actually good ps is getting sad watching ferrari fall apart and i feel bad for what carlos is walking into next season man for all of you who are looking for another sport to watch uh the other sports channel in the discord is alive and well every race sunday and today's race was insane i wish you guys were fans uh joe delia says lol at anyone who thinks that there's a possibility we are getting demco as a sweetener for a cap dump bunch of big smooth brains what's some more bad takes from our fan base krug yeah then he mentions krug thanks guys yeah that's uh, krug and petrangelo would be the ones right now honestly. max uh, domi 
I've heard that on both sides of the fence now, which is also yes. People who for the last four years were predicting playoff berths. I that that one to me is I I just can't see how you look at this team and imagine they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, Chris B says, "Hey fellows, excluding the two Germans, who is your absolute dream prospect to fall to the wings at 32?" My unrealistic hope is Lapierre, and more realistic, though still unlikely, hope is Brisson. Thanks, guys, and have a good week. I would almost bet on Brisson being there at 32, and I don't even know if he'd be my pick. Uh, guys who have some possibility of making it to 32, I would say the two Germans. I would say Maverick Bork, uh, Emil Andre is a, a, a actually not all that crazy one that I would be very high on. Yeah, I'll go with those. Yaroslav Askarov. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emil Andre is the guy who sticks out in my head. I don't like. I, I don't think it likely, but I would love um, a prospect like that to fall to thirty-two. It, it would be a great way for Detroit to fill out positions at a high level without them having to move up. Uh, Tuck Frump says, good day. Hope all is well. Moving on. That's, uh, I think that's supposed to say, let's regress a little and talk about y'all or talk about our slash your childhoods. What are your favorite childhood foods? Bad words slash comebacks. Think your mother wears army boots and overall memories. I remember long drives out to Muskegon to play pond hockey at the winter sports complex in the state park. Then finishing the day off with the Muskegon fury slash lumberjacks game. Best wishes and remember tuck frump. Um, favorite childhood foods. I've always been a poutine guy from day one. Sugar. That doesn't matter. <laughs> In any form. Sugar. That does not surprise me knowing Brad. Um, oh, yeah. I like from the ages of like 13 to 19, I just lived on cereal, chocolate bars, and Coca Cola, honestly. But I also, leading into my one of favorite childhood memories in the summer, would play road hockey with my friends. Almost no exaggeration from like 9 or 10 a.m. until 6 or 7, sometimes even when the streetlights came on. It was insane the amount of road hockey we would play any hockey tournaments growing up i loved hockey tournaments staying in a hotel mini sticks in the hallway that kind of thing parents hammered as hell in the hallway oh yeah (laughs) um hope robot says hey guys i was surprised to hear your consensus opinion that the avs slash wings rivalry is no more as a detroiter who recently moved to denver and attended the game at the pepsi center in january my impression is that their fan base's antipathy uh, towards the red wings still runs quite strong at the game we were treated to chirps ranging from fuck bertuzzi to don't feel bad detroit fans you already won by not living there anymore i'll piss off uh Then afterwards, at a well-known local hockey bar, I in my Shanahan jersey was welcomed by whom I presumed was the owner with the comment, you're going to wear that shit in here? Suffice it to say, it was the worst Martin Luther King Day I've ever had in my life. Okay, as a lifelong Brendan Shanahan fan, bless you for doing that. Um, And I'm not surprised that they're still hurt by it. Don't consider it the rivalry being alive. alive, Just consider them being butthurt because they lost the rivalry. Exactly. Um, I think you're right, though. The foundation's still there. And the moment both teams are good, I think it's ripe to explode again. Bonus question. It might be a long shot, but do you see any way Eisenman can still get Demko? I'd love to have his name on a Wings jersey to hang along my Bernier sweater. There's ways. 
but you're looking at moving a Cholosky, you're looking at moving a, a decent pick or something like that. It is Jim Benning. Never say never. Alex Ott says, which prospect in the wing system do you think is the most likely to take the biggest step forward in their development this year? That could look like Zadina scoring 30, Rasmussen making the team, uh, one of the European prospects jumping up to the men's leagues and sticking or dominating, um, something along those lines. Thanks, guys, and stay safe. Man, there is so many, so many factors, especially in this new pandemic world, because the first name in my mind when you said prospect that I think we could see the biggest jump from might not have anywhere to play right now because I my my mind went to Robert Master Simone having a huge year with BU. Who know who knows when he's even gonna play a game? I, I would say for me, in a realistic sense, I I know I'm in the minority here and I don't really have anything solid to back it up with. I got a gut feeling that Shalosky's going to really establish himself this year. Oh, okay. That's, that- I, I got a feeling that we're going to see Heronik on the first power play. I think we're going to see Shalosky find a home on that second power play, playing decent minutes on the left side. Because we have DeKaiser, we have Nemeth, and then there's nobody else slotting into that third left side defense role. I think Chalosky makes the most sense. I think he's the best one currently in the system to do it. Um, and given the lack of power play options on the Red Wings, I think that plays in his favor. And quite frankly, I think he's played better than the coaching staff and the fan base have given him credit for. They want him to be more assertive, yet they they send him down as soon as his defensive game slips. And for a young player, you often can't have both right away. So you have to nurture one side while the other side comes around. We've seen his offensive game. It's been there. He's done it. So I think with just more maturity and, and a clearer message from the coaching staff, uh, Chalosky could be in a really good spot this year. My cheap answer here is Zadina, but I truly believe it. And, um, if you're looking at something a little bit less typical, I think we are going to see a full season of McIsaac and we're going to be reminded of why he was that kind of prospect. Um, Nick says, I asked this on Twitter, so I'll ask it here as well. Assuming our core consists of four to seven players made out, made up out of a combination of two centers, two wingers, two defensemen, one goalie. How many core pieces do the wings currently have in their system? Sorry, Larkin, so two centers, two wingers, two defensemen, two goalies. One goalie up one to goalie. that amount. So I think one center and that's Larkin. I yep. have two uh, core wings. Valeno's almost there, but I don't think he's quite there. I don't, I don't think, think he's quite there. I don't think he's good enough to be considered a core piece, but I, I think he's still got a chance to be very, very good. I have Larkin, Mantha. I'll give it to Zadina. I'll say Sider and Hronik. And there's no, no goalie. And here's the thing, too. These aren't the upper tier of core pieces. As much as we like Sider and Hronik, they are not the upper tier. As much as we like Mantha and Zadina, they're probably not in the upper tier, although both have the potential to still get there. Larkin's close, but again, I wouldn't consider him a top 10, top 15 center in the NHL. So again, not in the upper tier. It's it's tough. Like the pieces are there, they're just not the best pieces. All things concerned, if the Red Wings want to be a contender, here's a hypothetical for you: 
Zadina and Mantha will have to take those steps to go in the upper tier, which I think both could do. Let's say the Red Wings draft Marco Rossi at four. He would have to be better than Larkin. He would have to be our number one center in order for everything to fall into place the way we would we would hope. Would I say any of those things are likely? No, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult because you don't want to drag those guys down because they could still progress and get better. But like you said, Brad, this isn't exactly like this team has an established core and they're primed to jump into contention. There's a long way to go and we might not think of a lot of these guys as as core pieces down the road. Just your average Tej says, how big of a gap is there between Dawes and Askarov? If we drafted Dawes, where would he rank in our goalie pipeline? Uh, if we drafted one. Dawes, one. One. Gap, large. Just in terms of certainty, large. Yeah, honestly. Uh, Goal Spaghetti says, good day, dud duds. Isn't it great to see Rob Kopshow's two favorite remaining teams make the conference finals? We all know he's a diehard pointy D's fan, but his recent comments seem to spur the no Tavares team to victory over our beloved Orange Wings. Speaking of Tavares, he is clearly a burden to any team he plays for and will further the curse of the 1967s for the remainder of his contract. In light of the snow waves, uh, unceremonious departure from the playoffs, I'm going to give you all a preview of my soon to be released sing- hit single, Bye Bye Nathan McKinnon which is sung to the tune of Bye Bye Lil Sebastian. <laughs> Cop guy and golf guy get the lighters out as prick guy is going to sing the chorus, which goes like this. Bye bye, Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> I have Losing <laughs> in the saddest fashion. Why do you have a lighter? I have a candle behind me. <laughs> in your basement. Yeah, it's, bye, uh, bye, it, Nathan McKinnon. You can keep talking. I'm just saying it to myself. Okay, yeah, true, true to me being You're on brand. UFA. It's the Howie's wax candle, so it smells like that really good hockey wax. So not my whole basement smells like this. We're for your Ouija board. That's off screen. Also, it can be multitasked. Yeah, I really like that, and I actually uh, had to remember how the bye bye little Sebastian um, went, but. For those of you who haven't watched Parks and Rec, amazing show. Jersey time. Rank the home and away jerseys of the remaining teams in hockey. Uh, in the hockey Super Bowl playoffs, stay fresh cheese bags. Oh, home jerseys. Vegas, Islanders, Stars, Lightning. That's not even hard. Same order for away jerseys. Yeah. 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 Chris Smith says, just wanted to say thanks for all the Lucas Raymond porn last episode. Um, oh, sorry. It's actually a large amount of something. It says, hey, guys, just checking in to make sure anyone who pronounces a plethora wrong gets a proper amount of crap that they deserve today. Not knowing how to pronounce trebuchet is forgivable since no one's used one in like eight centuries. While I encounter a plethora of plethora every week. Enjoy the rest of the holiday weekend, boys. <laughs> Brad, is that your ghost account? No. Uh, Chris Smith says, just want to say thanks for the Lucas Raymond porn last episode. One prospect I was really hoping he would mention was Topi uh, Nimala. I see so many positive reviews on him and I don't really see it on the ice. I don't think you guys ever did a prospect profile of him and I'm guessing you're not going to, but could anyone explain why he's getting so many good reviews? He just reminded me of Drysdale if Drysdale was worse at hockey. Also, Thomas Grice posted the meme of Ralph Wiggum saying, I'm helping and now I really want the wings to sign him. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, I don't know too much about Topi Nimala. I remember looking into him a little bit. I'm not over the moon about him. I don't think he's a 
bad prospect, but he doesn't exactly jump into mind as a, a player to be super excited about. He's he's Jared McIsaac if McIsaac skated better. That's and and not that much ahead of him, honestly. Where's he ranked? Like he he's ranked pretty firmly in the second second round. Second right? round, yeah, most places I look, that's where he is. Like good, I, I see him as a good offensive guy, but I didn't see a lot from his defensive game. I don't know. Maybe he's worth looking into if we do like a blitz of second round. Maybe because we're doing only major prospect profiles, a Patreon exclusive will be second round targets, like a, just a bunch of them. Joseph Fournier says, hey there, fellas, drafting Askroff at fourth would be a mistake given the other talent available as well as the advice of Yoki Nevelainen last week. I repeat, if Nico Dawes is there at 56, Stevie Y should drag and leap to the podium to call his name. Also, don't sleep on Keith Petrozelli. He was team MVP last year for uh, Quinnipiac, and he and he makes him a threat for the Frozen Four this coming season. The Wings wanted to continue to develop at his current pace to avoid a Larson-like setback. After his rocky first season, he switched majors from biomechanical engineering to a much easier degree, and his play starting impo- improving instantly. Yeah, engineering is fucking hard, man. Can't imagine doing anything else besides school. He's been on a very steady and promising incline since, posting a 2.01 goals against and a 9.20 save percentage, 21 wins, 34 games. At this rate, it's it's expected he starts in uh, next season in Grand Rapids. Goalies are voodoo, but his rate of improvement uh, to his current level of play is noteworthy. Evan, 69, and great point about nice. Nashville. Oh, hey, Pointy D's just scored. There you go, Brad. Stay fresh, cheese bags. All right, we got a little bit of time here. Got to wrap up soon, unfortunately. Uh, some Time for some Reddit questions. Uh, Toaf Daddy says, boys, 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 what kind of return do you think we can get for the tourist contract? Their first rounder this year looks great, given how deep the draft is. Would you be comfortable taking on the full $6 million, or would you expect Nashville to retain some of that? So the buyout price, which... It's been rumored in multiple places that Nashville might do that is I think two million per season. So if you can get Nashville to retain that, but for half the time period, I think you can get away with it. I don't know if you'd get their first round pick if you did that. Um, I think in a perfect world, the the minimum I would require if I were Steve Eisman to do this would be for Nashville to retain one and a half. So they're still coming out ahead on the salary cap in terms of term and dollars. And I would expect the first round pick back because you are taking on four years of Kyle Turris at four and a half million at that point. And as much as I think Kyle Turris coming into Detroit right now is the no-brainer second-line center for them right now, it's still a problem contract when the Red Wings are expecting to turn it around. Now, Turris, I don't think, will be a problem player in that time uh, because I don't see his cliff like Franz Nielsen's, but that risk is there, so the return has to be pretty sizable. And where's Nashville picking? 13 or something like that? Yeah, around there. 13th in this draft could be quite the haul for detroit the fact that it's five years or four years left at six million per year right that's what it is mm, yeah um i would need at least a first if it's the full price i need at least a first and i'm probably looking asking for something else as well if it's a full price there will absolutely need to be another asset in there maybe take one of nashville's 
prospects like maybe a Tolvanen rec- reclamation project or something like that. I don't know, yeah. but um sorry guys i don't have time for too many more today i'm in a little bit of a bind here uh evan pick a number between one and six six okay commander rex 19 says is there a commentator whose voice you find iconic not necessarily the best but someone you hear and you get all the right hockey feels don't know the broadcast situation in canada but in the states as someone who meant who started watching hockey in the late 2000s i listened to doc emmerich call a lot of amazing playoff games every time i hear the guy it triggers something in my brain and i get even more excited about whatever i'm watching thanks for all the great content and keep up the good work also ryan today was the first f1 face race since austria where i felt something and now the lions have adrian peterson wacky day in a wacky year yeah today was very 2020 um bob cole yeah bob There's cole is a good one no debate for me it's bob cole honorable mention to jim Houston for me gary thorne is one that a lot of people will uh will will pull in their memory quite a bit i i doc emmerich gets some flack i like him me too I think he's done a good job as well for the most recent, not the most recent, but yeah, late 2000s. Are we talking people. local broadcasters or national? Anyone. Rick yeah. Generate? G- Rick Generate? Yeah. How do you say Rick his last Generate. name? Generate. Generate. like that guy. Um, okay. Uh, Kalanin says, hey guys, I appreciate the quality content in case people don't tell you enough, but waiting for the craziness to end so I can comfortably become a Patreon supporter. Hey, we appreciate that. The kind words are... Uh, uh, just as valuable for us because uh, Brad and Evan don't say nice things to me. Uh, um, in the meantime, here's hoping you see my question. What do you guys think will be the first offseason move we make, trade or sign from outside and when? From outside? Backup goalie? Yeah, UFA goalie. Something weird like a Frank Coos or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, also, PS, I'm not really sure Evan exists. All right, Brad, I'm not asking Evan anymore. Uh, from one to four. Four. You piece of shit. <laughs> DHO41 says, if you could dispense one condiment from your belly button, unlimited supply, which would you choose? <laughs> oh, my God. If it's not ranch, you're not trying. Oh, you're going to waste that on ranch? Frank's red hot sauce. Oh, that's yeah, a I'll good one. Frank's. I wasn't even thinking about that. That's a good one. Uh, would it be like a cop boat to say like I probably use ketchup more than anything else even if it's not my favorite of the condiments but it's just it's so diverse it's just useful Maybe and I don't even I don't that- use condiments like a ton I'm that guy I generally like my food plain so yeah I think I, I'd probably just go ketchup for when I do need something yeah we know you're, you're a guy who likes your food plain and Brad everyone could have guessed that about you oh I know I'm a monster with food it's fine but i'm not travis yost so i've got that going for me <laughs> when uh, uh brad tried five gum for the first time he thought it was too spicy <laughs> <laughs> mint is just cold spicy <laughs> uh, on that we're gonna wrap up this episode of the winged wheel podcast sorry for writing the questions we weren't able to get to uh guys thank you to all of us uh all of us yeah thanks to us no thank you to all of our listeners um all of our supporters our name level patreon sponsors these are the people who are behind the winged wheel podcast the septic tank of that bitch carol baskins greech jeremiah dobo arjun shanker jake Kiefer, 2020 sucks sweaty balls Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Qasem, Charlie Elkins, Hana Lee, 
Obi-Wan Kenobi, Trevor Pevavar, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Konick, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you guys. We will see you midweek. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.